Welcome to Appointed. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined uh, by Justin Pichet. Justin Pichet is Associate Professor of Criminology at the University of Ottawa. And I don't know, Justin, I think I've known, we've known each other since you were, were you a student when we first met? Uh, yeah, we've known each other for, for over a decade. I believe I met you when I was doing my, uh, actually over 15 years ago, when I was a master's student at the University of Ottawa way back in 2004. So it's a, wow. it's a while ago. <laughs> Well, and since then, you've, uh, you've taught at Memorial University, you've been all over the place and doing in fantastic and amazing work chronicling the mass incarceration here in Canada and now in the midst of African Heritage Month and, um, and you know, the, it strikes me the theme, listen, learn, share and act really applies to this. And so what are your um, top two, three, four, five, however many you want to list? Um, hopes for that we can achieve during this this coming year. Um, I mean, given the situation that we're in um, with uh, COVID uh, spreading inside um, our sites of confinement uh, across the country, I think we really need uh, a big push on um, diversion, um, steering people away from imprisonment to the degree that's possible right now um, to decarcerate. Uh, people to the degree that's possible right now so that we can reduce uh, the spread of uh, COVID uh, behind bars amongst prisoners, um, prison staff and their families. And, um, you know, by connection, limiting the impact of COVID-19 outside prison walls, because as you, as you know better than, than, than most, um, you know, uh, what, what happens behind the walls, um, whether we're talking about public health or community safety, um, doesn't stay there. It eventually reverberates into the community and we're seeing, um, you know, the spread of COVID-19 happening behind bars and then that trickling out uh, into the community. Uh, and so uh, we have to do everything we can right now to contain COVID and not people. And um, we'll see what happens, right? Like in the first wave of the pandemic, you had jurisdictions like Ontario um, taking uh, action and the courts taking action, uh, police taking action to reduce the number of people flowing into our provincial jails and prisons. The prison population within a span of weeks was reduced by 30%. And we had fewer cases of COVID, I think, as a result. You know, there was only 131 uh, prisoners in Ontario provincial prisons that contracted COVID. We're now at a point um, where uh, the jails have gradually become fuller. And um, we're now seeing massive uh, outbreaks in places like uh, Maplehurst uh, and Milton. And so, you know, at the beginning of this year, Ontario had uh, roughly 295 prisoners uh, that contracted COVID uh, during the whole course of the pandemic. And now, um, you know, where prisoners are concerned, we're almost at 800 cases. So like it's almost tripled um, yeah. because we've allowed our jails to fill. Um, and um, appropriate precautions aren't being taken uh, behind the walls. You know, Maplehurst just had these work orders saying that uh, PPE and PPE training wasn't uh, in place 
uh, at Maplehurst to the level required. You had um, uh, guards uh, eating in the lunchroom without social distancing. And uh, now we have this mess on our hands. And, and as you've extensively documented and advocated on what, what happens or what, what correctional authorities say they do on paper doesn't happen in practice often, right? And, and we're seeing this during COVID and, and people are, are getting sick and they're gonna have long-term repercussions associated with that. And frankly, we're lucky that more prisoners have not died uh, mm-hmm. during this pandemic. Um, you know, um, there's, it, it, it's, it's incredible to me what's happening right now. Right now. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, I'm just reading yet another uh, report uh, being prepared by Tony Dube and uh, chronicling the massive isolation and solitary confinement of now for nearly a year, virtually every prisoner in this country and uh, horrific that we haven't seen releasing options put in place, particularly when we know on the average year uh, in the federal system alone, 5,000 prisoners are released and we haven't seen nearly that number during this period. So not only are they not being released because of the pandemic and in accordance with health guidelines that they're receiving from the doctors who do the work in these institutions, they're also um, not even following through on what there would be the usual release practices. I know that lots of folks, including you, have been working on this. Um, from where I sit, some of the efforts have have also fallen short in terms of, I think we see the, the challenges of lawyers who, even before the pandemic, didn't perhaps understand what the conditions in prisons are like. And so the, the level of advocacy to actually get folks out um, I've been surprised, actually, that it wasn't a little more heightened. I don't know if I'm just missing, maybe I'm, you know, just not aware of all of the efforts that have been being taken, but, uh, you know. No, I, I think, um, you know, people right now are languishing uh, behind bars, as you as you just mentioned, um, often for uh, weeks on end, um, sometimes months on end, uh, when um, COVID outbreaks are uh, suspected or actually do p- take place. And, you know, people are facing segregation-like uh, conditions, um, being on those lockdowns for 23 and a half hours a day or so. And, um, you know, in, in before the pandemic, we would have called that solitary confinement. Um, they're calling it medical isolation now or quarantining. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's um, absurd what's happening uh, in the name of public health and public safety. Um, I, don't, I don't understand how exposing folks to those kinds of conditions um, is going to benefit the, us when most prisoners are eventually released into our communities. Um, so, you know, the, the, the government, particularly the federal government, uh, needs, to be, needs to be doing more uh, to, to free people to the extent that's possible. Um, you know, criminalized women right now that are incarcerated in places like uh, Grand Valley Institution, um, Joliet Institution and elsewhere across the country are at much higher risk of COVID transmission than the general population. Um, you know, their infection rate um, is, is, you know, somewhere around over 10% right now. Um, you, you know uh, better than anyone else that we could be uh, freeing criminalized women. Um, I'd say all of them, uh, if, if we uh, had community support in place uh, for folks uh, that would need it, many could be released um, you know, right now, um, without even without those community supports. So um, what's lacking is, is the political will 
uh, to do it. And I think public pressure. So to come back to your point, I think there's, there's pockets uh, of, of uh, organizing that's happening uh, to try and put pressure on different jurisdictions uh, to, to um, free prisoners. Um, so, you know, there's been a series of hunger strikes uh, by, by folks inside uh, to try and ramp up uh, that pressure, um, you know, as there were major outbreaks, for instance, in, in uh, December in Saskatchewan provincial prisons, um, the prisoners there uh, worked in solidarity to try and, and affect change there. Um, you know, there's been similar actions like that in several jails across the province here in Ontario, several hunger strikes. Um, and um, unfortunately, governments haven't moved and uh, to the degree that they that they should be um, the support on the outside, um, you know, there's 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 groups across the country pushing this work right now, but um, uh, it's it it just seems to be um, getting uh, ignored to some extent. I think because um, you know we have the situation we do with long term care homes, and and people are playing. Um, the principle of less eligibility uh, in terms of, of their compassion, I guess, because they see the, the deplorable situation in long-term care homes with our seniors. And um, it's, it's just like there's fatigue to care about others uh, in other carceral institutions, um, congregate settings, whether it be prisons or even like psychiatric um, institutions, um, you know? So it, yeah, I, 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 I think that's the big puzzle for people to play with this year. And one is to figure out um, how do we get folks to even move, uh, get governments to move even to the way that they, that they were in the first wave of the pandemic. And I'm talking about the provinces here because certainly the mm -hmm. federal government did next to nothing. Um, you know, um, how do we, how do we move them? Um, what's it going to take? Um, and and uh, I really hope it doesn't take people to more people to die um mm -hmm. for, for for things to happen but uh it kind of seems that that that's where we're at right now and and we have to do everything we can out in the community to prevent that from happening and i know there's a number of mutual aid um efforts um you know there was uh, one um involving um the saskatchewan manitoba alberta abolition coalition that did a mutual aid fundraiser that was um, providing funds uh, to current and former prisoners to, to provide the support they need there's the prison emergency support fund that uh trial prisoners rights project and the criminalization and punishment education project worked on and and there's like things that people are doing for folks to try and get them out right now uh, we need more of that and we need we need more pressure um and and someone um, in, in government, um, in the provinces, the territories and, and federally, um, to do something about it. Cause you know, there's, there's people languishing in our prisons, facing lockdown conditions, um, COVID spreading anyways. Um, you know, while, while the lockdowns are on, like it's not working public health wise, it's not going to work public safety wise, eventually when, when folks return to the community at some point, um, so, uh, you know, it, we, we just have to do what's right and, and, and uh, hopefully Prime Minister Trudeau is, is listening and, and contemplating um, and moving to action, um, you know, because the buck stops with, with him ultimately as far as uh, Correctional Service Canada goes and, and what's happening in our federal penitentiaries. Mm -hmm. 
Well, one of the things that I have been horrified by is uh, during, particularly during this pandemic, I mean, most of us knew how the intersections of race and class and gender and, um, and in particular, uh, the impact of poverty on so many people's lives. But the fact that even in, uh, e even in the community, the lack of concern for folks who, you know, not just the elderly, there is some concern, but really there's not been action around how to address long-term care. There hasn't really been action about, you know, one in 10 people in this country living under the poverty line. And there certainly hasn't been action on the issue of prisoners. If you were in charge, what are the first three things you do to, to change what's happening right now? Well, that, that's a really big question. Um, I guess the, the first thing is making sure that people have, that all people have access to the basic necessities of life, um, that, that we um, use all these empty buildings right now to address our, our housing issues, that we, uh, we put in place what you've been calling for and others have been calling for in terms of a universal basic income um, so that people have uh, at their disposal uh, the ability to um, purchase uh, food and, and, and other basic necessities of life. So, I mean, let's start there. Um, and, you know, that would also help address folks coming out of prisons in terms of what, what needs they have and also preventing um, harm from taking place as well. And so reducing the prison population at both ends, I think if we do these, this bigger picture um, stuff. Um, and then uh, in terms of, of what to do uh, immediately uh, to address, say, the situation uh, in our prisons, I think, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's about um, different actors within the punitive injustice system uh, working in concert um, to get the numbers down uh, as quickly as possible. Um, so, you know, police, uh, uh, you know, not arresting people or releasing people on their own uh, recognizance, um, having, uh, you know, uh, Crown attorneys and defense attorneys working together on uh, bail consent agreements, having justices of the peace and judges releasing more people on bail, um, having prison authorities use temporary absences uh, to get people out and, and put in place uh, policies or laws to be able to allow those temporary absences to be longer, um, releasing people earlier on parole, compassionate releases, um, having uh, a few ministers within the federal government uh, start issuing um, the royal prerogative of mercy, you know, all these kinds of things that, that, that uh, advocates and, and experts and um, you know, yourself have been calling for, um, you know, it's, we, we know we can reduce uh, the number of people behind bars uh, safely um, if, if we do those things and put in place supports in the community as well. So, you know, why we're not doing it, um, I, you know, um, I, 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 I've searched for that uh, constantly because I think it would allow us to do more if we had the answers. But we made some interesting gains or good gains in the, in the first wave that weren't sustained. And now we're paying the consequences uh, behind bars. Um, and, you know, we have to do what we can uh, to get back to some of the gains that were made during the first wave and push past those, um, you know, all those releases and, and, and um, uh, people diverted from custody during the first wave 
um, weren't even being supported by appropriate community supports in, in, in most cases. Um, and there wasn't a massive law, uh, rash of law breaking that resulted from, a, from it. I'm not going to say that there wasn't incidents where, where folks who were released didn't harm other people, but like we, we could do this in a safer way, support, support folks uh, so that they're not, um, you know, um, engaging in, in, in harmful uh, behavior if, 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 you know, they were going to do so, um, you know? So I think, uh, I think that's, that's where we got to go. And um, we know um, that prisons uh, are the most costly and effective and unjust uh, approach to responding to the, to the social conflicts and harms that we criminalize and, and punish. We need to be working uh, towards a just transition from the prison industrial complex, from the punitive injustice system in this carceral state that we have here in Canada. We need to be working towards abolition uh, in our lifetime. Um, and we, we could get there uh, if we um, change the way that we relate to each other um, more broadly as a society, if we, if we actually um, heeded the calls to, to making sure that everyone's needs were met. And when conflict breaks out uh, and harm happens, which it will, um, but at a lesser rate, if we have all those things in place, then we need transformative justice responses that actually uh, hold people accountable, uh, meet people's needs, and actually work to abolish these violent structures that shape uh, our thinking and 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 uh, how we relate to one another, right? Like I don't know how we can we can talk about uh, these issues without um, without working to end uh, racism, without working to end colonialism, um, which is so abundantly reflected in the number of Indigenous and Black people that are mass incarcerated uh, in this country. I don't know how we can get there without. Um, uh, dismantling patriarchy and heteronormativity and, and other violent structures that are in place right now. So um, we have a lot of work to do. That sounds great. And I agree. And as you know uh, very well, the, the countries where they um, put more resources and time and energy into ensuring that social services, economic supports, and uh, you know, th things like housing, childcare, dental, mental, uh, pharma care exist, as well as free post-secondary education, not only have higher standards of living for everybody, uh, they have lower crime rates and lower incarceration rates, and they also have uh, a higher happiness index. I mean, who couldn't want that? And my hope is this, that this is one of the things we see coming out of the pandemic. And I want to thank you so very much for all the work you do, the incredible research you've done for many decades, including uh, when that's how I think we first met actually some of the research you were doing and documenting what is happening in prison. So thank you for that. And are there any final points you want to make before we sign off and, and get back to our respective work? No, I just uh, thank you for your work and thank you for your time. And, um, and hopefully uh, more parliamentarians will emulate your model and get things done for people, not billionaires. Well, you're very kind and I will uh, aspire to live up to that very kind message. 
And Justin, and as you know, one of my, my uh, objectives is to get as many parliamentarians into prisons to you know, speak to prisoners, witness firsthand the conditions of confinement. And I think that is one of the ways we maybe can help to ensure the laws get changed. Yeah, no, the, I think the prime minister needs to go meet some folks who are currently incarcerated to understand uh, what's at stake and what needs to change. Absolutely. Well, I'm, you know, I am doing uh, what I can to get there. It's not enough. And uh, I expect you and everybody else to keep holding my feet to the fire on this. Yeah, so nothing's ever enough, do. but um, we, we, we all do what we can and that's, um, you know, that's all, all we can do mm -hmm. and, and, and try and take care of ourselves as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, you take care and I hope that uh, you and your family and all your circles, as well as all the folks who we know are, um, are having particularly challenging times right now, stay as safe and well as possible. Thank you.